0: Today's guest is Lorelai Colbert. So fabulous. She is fabulous. Um, We have gotten to know her really well. And in fact, we even hung out with her yesterday during a photo shoot. We did. We all got to go to
1: the Village Pine venue and do a little fun video shoot with cotton and grain and dressed.
0: Yes. So Lorelai's story, um, we wanted to make sure we aired it in November instead of October because she is a breast cancer survivor. And one of the things that we really talked about and are passionate about is carrying that awareness out throughout the year, not just October. Right. There's
1: so many months that are dedicated to big things. And I think this is one that needs to be talked about year round because it affects us year round. Mm -hmm. Right. So in true bucking the system fashion we're (laughs) we're such rebels i know we're so so rebellious we're airing this episode in november yes
0: absolutely (laughs) um her her inspiration and how she talks about kindness and basically this life-altering event that could have been tragic she's turning into a mission to help other people. And the connections that she's made are beautiful. Even yesterday, we saw her run into someone and she realized that that was her PA during her treatment. Yeah. Such a small world. Right. And, you know, we've now run into her and cross paths multiple times. Mm-hmm. And if you guys want to meet her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys should come to
1: Boss Giving It is Wednesday, the 8th, and we will have dinner and a uh, social media presentation by the ladies at Collab. And so we'll learn a lot and then just connect around the fires
0: after dinner. Mm -hmm. And yeah, definitely make sure you meet Lorelai and see her little baby bump.
1: (laughs) Yes, which is growing by the day, I swear. She is so just radiant. Mm-hmm. She exudes this energy that is just so full of life. And like I've said so many times, she's a glass half full type of person and just wonderful energy to be around. So if you get the chance to meet her, definitely do that.
0: Yeah. I've only known you're pregnant, but I bet the pregnancy glow is just a glow <laughs> about her <laughs> all the time. Yes. So, okay. well, anyways, enjoy Lorelei. I'm Sarah. I'm Caitlin. Two women discussing all things in business. Welcome to She's, She's the, the boss.
1: boss. This is live <laughs> from <laughs> Studio She's the Boss in Whispering Pines. <laughs> oh gosh. Yes, on this lovely rainy, rainy. Luke, Fall morning.
2: Do oh. you guys have ibuprofen?
1: Oh my gosh, a minor concussion. <laughs> my head
2: like seriously hurts. Do we do. And no, Ooh. no, I won't do a cocktail. Mobic. Just <laughs> no, no MOBIC. <laughs> Just ibuprofen. Just ibuprofen. No. No. <laughs>
1: we don't even have any of those. <laughs> <laughs> no, we only have like Tylenol and ibuprofen. Yeah. For your concussion that you got slamming your head against my cabinets <laughs> downstairs.
2: Gosh. I know. Do you need ice? I'm okay.
1: There's not like a, a bump?
2: There's no bump. Okay. No. It, right. just, it just hurts. Yet. Hurts. I know yeah. yet. It's like, aren't you supposed to worry if there's not a bump? Uh, it's like... <laughs>
3: I don't so, know, you guys are real moms. We need a <laughs> in training. <laughs> I'm in training.
2: Yes, congratulations. <laughs> Thank
3: you. Yeah, you, so tell
2: us about that. When did you find out that you were pregnant?
3: I okay. found out this summer when I was up in New Jersey and <laughs> husband was gone on training. So I told him over FaceTime, but I'm officially 16 weeks.
0: Yay.
1: And I know last time we were together, you were going to go to an ultrasound, I think.
3: Yeah, I think so. Well, and I just went to one yesterday. There you go. Yeah. So maybe it was that one. It was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. This little babe is the size of an avocado, but it's like we saw the whole hand and
1: they're so developed. The
3: whole spine. Yeah. It's going to be a strong little baby. We don't know if it's a boy or girl, but we're so excited. Do you guys
1: plan to find out? No.
3: No. If we can keep it a surprise. We will.
1: Yeah, I feel like every time you go in, you have to be like, "We don't want to know," <laughs> you know, because immediately they're like,
3: "Oh, she," you know, and mm-hmm. you're like, ah. yeah.
2: yeah, and I found out about one of ours on accident because I was looking at my blood work because I am a geriatric pregnancy, and so they had to—that's <laughs> <laughs> what they call it. it <laughs> old. I think it's now
1: thirty-five you're considered, um, considered that's geriatric agreed. pregnant yeah. like which is like <laughs> i'm sorry what
2: so i like pulled up my <laughs> chart and i was like looking at my blood work and it showed and i was like oh okay well it was a boy so
1: oh this was the last time yeah the, the last, last time the i don't last, know who i am the right li- li- but li- it was li- like super
2: it was like 11 weeks or something that I. oh do. wow but yeah. blood
1: work blood work yeah, yeah. that's a thing so. <clears throat> great well and i'm assuming you guys were trying to get pregnant
3: yeah we wanted to yeah I mean, we just got the okay from my oncologist a few months ago, so we were not stressing, and you know, we wanted to see what our bodies could make happen, and here we are. Yeah, let's go! We're so excited. Yeah, <laughs> nature, huh? Great. Well, um,
1: for those of you that don't know Lorelai, why don't you? Which is hard right now because I feel like you're a very busy woman oh. sharing your beautiful story with everybody, especially in the month of October, which I feel like. I have this weird thing about months being dedicated to certain things because I feel like those things should be talked about 12 months out of the year versus Mm -hmm. let's dedicate this one month. But here we are in October and a lot of our guests are talking about breasts this month. So we're kind of falling into the same thing. But I do feel like it should be a thing we talk about all the time. Yeah. So anyway, please let's let's hear your story.
3: Yes. Well, hi, I'm Lorelai Colbert, and I am a triple negative breast cancer survivor. And if you want to be my friend, you know, for life, we'll talk about this all the time. (laughs) Because it's just (laughs) a big part part of your life once you go through breast cancer treatment. But I was diagnosed at 28, and I'm 31 now. And um, I speak, I write, I create, and I just try to raise awareness. Because I do think we need to talk about these these conversations, family history, the risk for young women, and also we need to talk about the power of kindness because kindness is what saved my life and that's why I'm here. So I love sharing these messages and empowering others to be kind and be their own advocate too.
1: Has that always been a thing for you because you know I've I've heard you speak now a couple of times. And so I know what you're about to share with the whole <laughs> kindness journey, but do you feel like that has been something that's been a part of your entire life or was it something that, you know, happened when you were facing this battle with cancer to say like, oh no, these things are actually really important. And maybe it's a combination of both.
3: Yeah, I think it might be a little combination. I was always... A kind person. I'm sure there's some people like, actually, you were a bully when I was <laughs> actually six. twelve. Yeah, yeah. When you were twelve. <laughs> I mean, there's everyone out there, right? But um, I think I always tried my best to be very kind and very inclusive to everyone. And growing up, I didn't have the easiest childhood and I focused on just being the best I could be and getting out of the situation I was in. So I always felt intuitively the importance of being kind, being positive, and moving forward. And then flash forward to 28, you get diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer after multiple doctors told you not to worry. And it was the kindness of a nurse that changed everything. And I just started thinking, nope, there's importance to this, like you just said. And then all of a sudden I started looking at the studies of kindness and it's really amazing how it lifts other people up.
1: Yeah. So share a little bit about your journey. Have you have you ever heard Lorelai speak in, in depth? I know we were all at Dance Fit for the Cure where you shared like a tiny snippet of and your I am journey. So
3: grateful for the two of you because I knew I was going to say I was pregnant there. And I was like, if nobody's listening, like if it's yeah. too loud, it's not impactful. Like it needs I know. to be impactful. And we talked
1: before you went on because you were like,
3: I, I was like, I won't do it.
1: Well, it was super loud in there. And I think the acoustics with just a regular mic were really tricky. It, the, that mic was not set up to be a vocal mic by any means. And the space is so big that it could be really good for acoustics or it could be really, really bad. Right. So I think what was happening with us is a lot of people were doing their thing and they could barely hear, or it was like loud, but you couldn't hear what we were saying. And so we had talked before you went on and you were like, I don't know, it's really loud. Like I, I'm just going to figure out when I'm up there, what I'm going to say, depending on how the audience is responding. Yes.
3: Of what I wanted to hit. But I was like, if they can't hear, then we're not going to talk about being your own advocate. and if they can't hear I'm not about to have my Beyonce moment (laughs) (laughs) ripping the jacket open like not happening
1: (laughs) but I'm sure you envisioned it being a certain way this is a huge deal that you're pregnant yeah so you were like this has got to be it's got to be lined up right and it it was it It ended up being great
3: but thank you for your emotional support that night
1: because and likewise Yeah. because I was like thanks for acknowledging that we're kind of like
3: (laughs) Uh, can
2: anyone hear us hello Uh, (laughs) I had to treat them like kids in my kindergarten class if you can hear me clap, clap once,
1: once. Yeah. oh my gosh I know that and that was
2: so funny was our
1: first time ever emceeing anything and of course we talk all the time here we are right and we're I think fairly good at communicating mm-hmm. but it's a whole different ball game when you're up in front of a hundred people and they may not know who you are they're like who are these people yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, And the energy is so wonderful for that event because everyone is there to dance, to have right. a wonderful night. Right. So I think it was just, okay, the program is starting. Right. And then it was great.
2: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 So you've, so I've not heard right. the full story. <laughs> yeah.
1: The full yeah. story. Yes. Um, so you could share, I guess what you, what you want to yeah. share of that.
3: So I was um, 28, newly married and it was 2020. You, I'm sure you remember 2020. Um, so my husband and I just got married over Zoom, and with military life, he wasn't supposed to travel. We couldn't keep our date. But like you guys were together, you and your yes. husband. But oh, everyone else was oh,
1: on Zoom. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I was could like, see how that could be like, oh uh, like he, he was, was somewhere <laughs> else no, and you no, were no. somewhere else. Like, I know. Okay. Thank Luckily, you. the two of got you were it. together. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So kiss, we were together. So, the
0: camera.
3: It was <laughs> amazing. um Yeah, we got married in our living room. We had our first dance in our dining room, and I worked with a florist. We set it all up. Um, But we really wanted to honor that we were getting married because we had military orders that we'd be going to Japan. So I needed a health appointment in order for us to go overseas, and in that health appointment, I asked about birth control, which led to the doctor saying, you know, let me look at your chart, you were at the gyno a year and a half ago. You're 28. We'll just do the pap and get you on your way. And the nurse in the room was so kind. And already that day, she was making my day just with her kindness. And you could tell that she loved what she did. And when the doctor walked out of the room, she questioned it. And when she said, so you're not doing the breast exam? I said, because you said it, let's do it. And that was the day, August 26th, that the lump was found. Um Again, fast forward, and I had another doctor's appointment where they were able to tell that it was 3.6 centimeters. That doctor also told me, You're 28, it looks mostly benign. We could wait six months. Something in my gut was saying, Keep going. So I asked, I was like, I could just sit in the hallway if you want. Like, we can biopsy this thing today if you want. But I was so not a worry, not a priority that. It took another week or week and a half. I went in for that appointment.
1: And on their side, not on your side. Yes. Right? Yeah. Oh,
3: no. I was willing. I'm like, I'll sleep over. You just let me know yeah. when you have an opening. Um, and then I went in for another appointment, did all my research, came in, was like asking questions, was so proud of myself. This was now the biopsy appointment. And that doctor laughed. And he said, you're 28. You really don't need to worry. We're just ruling this out. And... You know, lo and behold, September 15th, my world changed when I got the call that it was breast cancer. Um, And then a few weeks later, we found out that it was triple negative breast cancer, which I raise awareness now for triple negative. It's a rare type of breast cancer, but it's aggressive and it's known for happening in young women and women of color. And sometimes even in October, we just think pink, but it's Mm -hmm. so many different subtypes of breast cancer and things that we don't always think about.
1: Well, yeah, and you just don't know if you don't know, yeah. right? I have not had that much exposure to people with breast cancer. Um, my my maternal grandmother had a single mastectomy at 92, right? Uh, you know, it's like she was very old. <laughs> you could have cancer anywhere, right? So yeah. it was never really a worry of, oh, it's genetic. My mother is 72 mm-hmm. and is super healthy. I knock on wood. She (laughs) does not look 72. That's what happens when you take care of yourself and you are active and you are social and you have good relationships and you eat healthy, you know, (laughs) You, you take care of yourself. Yeah. So I can only hope to be like that. But I, um, you know, few friends in our community, but I've never, um, had it impact me enough to, Be like, oh, what is the difference between triple negative or, um, you know, so hearing that at Kim's event when you spoke and then talking to a few people there who are going through treatment and have been through treatment to hear like, oh, no, this one is different for this. And now you had to have a, not you, but, you know, this person talking to me, you know, has to be on hormone blockers because hers was driven by estrogen and how that completely changes your body composition. I'm just Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, there's so much to think about. Yep.
2: So my, did that doctor that laughed at you, was that the one that called you to tell you? No.
3: Uh, the doctor, the first doctor that told me I didn't need the breast exam. She was the one that called and told me. Was that your primary physician at that time? Yeah. I'm really bad with primaries. I am (laughs) too. Even now because I see my oncology
2: team so often. Sure. That's how I've been. It's like I see my gynecology team so often. I'm like, oh, they check everything else. It's fine. Yeah, (laughs) right. So, and did she apologize or how did she I don't think
3: she apologized. She, so when she called me, she told me two things. She said, your pap was irregular and you have breast cancer. So immediately, like the world stopped and I'm thinking the worst case scenario, um, And she said, but we don't know what type of breast cancer yet. And that was really when I learned that there were different types. Right. So what do you mean? (laughs) Yeah. So they look at three main receptors for breast cancer, your estrogen, your progesterone, the hormones, and then a protein, HER2. So I'm feverishly writing everything down. And even the HER2, I look back in my notes and I'm like, who is her? Who is she? Like, I just, it's just a whole new vocabulary. Mm -hmm. So I don't really remember her apologizing to me however the male doctor who did my biopsy he called me in and he brought my husband in and apologized to us both and he said he was changing the way he was looking at young women wow wow, that's a really big thing
1: especially you know from the male side right to offer an apology yes and not only an apology but then this is how I'm going to move forward right yeah right because that was just that, amazing
2: yeah that means more that than just the apology on its own that like i'm gonna now change yeah and so, then the middle <clears throat> we both happening? have it. <laughs> Sorry, wait let me get my sexy it? voice yes, it's your october voice <laughs> the
3: middle doctor has since retired because i was ready to talk to her too after, sure <laughs> you know that mostly benign and You know, you just wonder if it wasn't that doctor who else might have looked at it and said, no, we need to get you seen right away. Right. The fact that she recommended six months, I was thinking we're going to be on an island in Japan, you know, that can't happen. Yeah. I'm not going there with this 3.6 centimeter lump. That's not my extra baggage. (laughs) Also, how often does this happen? Yeah. It makes you wonder. Where things are
1: overlooked and then you do find it six months later. But you could have been proactive six months prior had somebody, you know, really done their due diligence. Yep, right. and that's you. I, I hope everybody can. All these doctors can realize well, you're trying to make me feel better in this situation. Oh, I'm 28. I, I'm healthy. You know, I, it's probably not breast cancer. You are also completely dismissing the fact that it very well could be breast cancer. Exactly. And it probably came with good intent. They were like, don't freak out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. But you know, that's completely
3: dismissive of what your reality was. Absolutely. Scary. Yeah. And it wasn't just the doctor. It was everyone, Uh you know, and and that's why now I raise my voice and I share my story because I think it matters. And I'll speak to college groups and student groups just so they can learn to be in touch with their body. Again, I don't feel like we talk about that a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. Only in October. Not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> as far as like boobs. and Yeah,
3: it's so true. Yeah. Doing your um, exam on yourself, yeah. you yeah. know. And it's not that you're going to get breast cancer. It's just that you could Mm -hmm. And let's be aware so that way we could be our own best advocate. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So go back to how you felt. You said you thought worst case scenario, but like what was going through your mind? What did you do? What did you, when you got the phone call?
3: Yeah. So that night was really special um, just because it was a hard time, but I think it set the tone for the rest of how I looked at treatment. And we got the, I got the call. I called my husband who was working out. He came right home and Mm. Together, we called our families, we called our work teams, and even though our families knew that I was going in for these tests, when we FaceTimed them, a lot of them have since told us they thought we were calling them that we were pregnant. Right, because mm-hmm. that's what people do when they're newly married and... Yeah, and like FaceTiming your family, uh-huh. and it was just like a flip on the head. Um, so we called everyone, we called the work teams, because now I had all these appointments lined up for the rest of the week. And then we put our phones away and we ordered a delicious dinner and we just decided, you know what, we have tonight. We know that we're together. We woke up that morning not knowing that I had breast cancer, but we're a team. And at that point, we didn't know exactly what we were facing, but we knew we were going to face it together.
1: Okay, we'll just sit
3: here and cry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Shoot, let me get the tissues. Right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that could have been so different. That would have, I mean, had you not been somewhat resilient in that moment, that could have been a really crappy night. Yes. Which I'm sure you had, and right? It, there were like- tears. Yeah. And it's
3: not that that night there weren't tears, yeah. but like that's my teammate. Mm-hmm. And we just got married. We thought we were moving around the world. Right. You know, it was just like, wow. We really just vowed a month ago we were down for any adventure, and this is (laughs) our newest adventure. Okay, buckle up, babe. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. And uh, honestly, the military was amazing. He was able to come to all of my appointments and be with me, and they really just prioritized that. This, like, this was our team.
1: So, what does that look like from that point forward? Is it is your treatment laid out for you, or? I mean, I can imagine that you were like, okay, deep dive into the research. Mm -hmm. Like, we're going to figure out exactly what this looks like because, well, this might be a personal thing, but I have a hard time putting 100% trust into doctors. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Only because, you know, typically in primary care, I've been told so many different things things or like oh no that's fine don't worry about it i'm like no but this is a thing inside my body and i know mm-hmm. you don't have answers right this second but you know along the same lines of like oh no hey i'm still here there's something going on with me um so to imagine there's like okay now you have a team of people helping you but are you also like we are going to learn every single thing about this
3: Oh yes and no okay because all of a sudden when you start googling triple negative breast uh-huh. cancer it is scary land. Yeah. Um, the death rates are high. The reoccurrence rates are high. There's not as many treatment options for triple negative. So I actually called a few survivor friends, especially when I was waiting in that window. So yeah. the day she called me, she said my pap was irregular. The doctor, um, she said my pap was irregular. And then we knew that the tumor was negative for the estrogen and progesterone um, hormones the receptors. So we were just waiting on that HER2. And when I was Googling, you know, Google University, Uh HER2 positive breast cancer is known for being aggressive, but there has been a lot of research and treatment options available. If it was negative, that would be negative, 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 triple negative breast cancer. And that is where it's also a very aggressive breast cancer and it's scary. So eventually when I got the call and learned that it was negative, I, I listened to my team I did a little bit of googling and then I I actually had other triple negative survivors in my circle which for a rare breast cancer I was like wow how do I have all these women that who I can are already lean on? friends yeah what well just like my old boss um she had triple negative wow. my husband's aunt she was triple negative uh, my college roommate's older sister wow so all of a sudden I had these like, connections in my network and it again that just laid the foundation of this community behind me. Yeah. So then you had real life not Google. Yes. <laughs> and I was comparing, you know, I I was comparing okay, they did chemo first, they did surgery first and all of that depends on your unique story. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think when you hear breast cancer you just think, "Oh okay, mm-hmm. like pink ribbon, they might lose their hair." and boobs, right? Uh Like, that's just what you think about. But there's just so many different things to it, and it's personalized to you, and what works for me might not work for someone else. Um, So that's where I think I kind of did my own, like... (laughs) little community research and then yeah, like I anecdotal. Worked, yeah. I worked yeah. with my team to go forward.
1: Yeah. And I would imagine too, it would depend on when they were diagnosed, depending on their treatment based on how much research had been mm-hmm. done. You know, if it was 10 years ago for one of them, things have come such a long way since then. Yeah.
3: So I'm sure it looked different. Even too. now there are new medications yeah. that are available that were not available to me. Yeah. When I went through three years ago. Yeah. Which is exciting. For my triple negative sisters out there and knock on wood, I believe that I'm going to live a nice long life. Um, However, if I ever needed something, there are new Mm -hmm. solutions out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what um, can you help explain to people
1: what kind of the differences are? We've talked about triple negative, but exactly what does that mean as far as the type of of breast cancer?
3: Yeah. So basically it's those three receptors that they're looking at. So you might have someone who's triple positive and that means that their tumor is positive for the estrogen receptor, progesterone, and the HER2,
1: meaning that all of those hormones are
3: feeding the tumor. Yes. Okay. Um and that's I'm that's what I believe but I haven't studied all of these other cancers extensively. Um But that's where, like you were mentioning earlier, and I have girlfriends that have these other types of breast cancers, they're on hormone blockers. So even you have a young survivor who wants to be pregnant, they might be on a hormone blocker for five years, and now that's pushing their family planning. You know, you get diagnosed in your young 30s, now you're in your late 30s, -hmm. what do you do? Mm -hmm. Um, And there's another type of breast cancer, which, did you ladies watch Firefly Lane? I did. I did. So we're not done with it yet, though. Oh God, it's okay. Okay. You can spoiler alert it. (laughs) Spoiler, sorry (laughs) if (laughs) anyone loves this show. You had time to watch it now. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. I'm so behind. (laughs) But they do a great job of highlighting inflammatory breast cancer, which I didn't even know was a thing. But that appears as a red rash, Hmm, right? So it's not even a lump. Yeah, and that's where. So, yeah, I mean, there's just so many different types and there's different stages and stages. So when you hear that, it just means how far it has spread. So a lot of times, um, like even that, I didn't really know. You would hear stage cancer, but you didn't know what it meant. Mm -hmm. And then if you hear someone talk about the grade, that is how aggressive it is. Okay. So there's the type, there's Mm -hmm. the grade, and then there's the stage. Yep. And what stage was yours? Mine was 2B. So um, that means that it was larger than a stage zero or stage one, and it had not gone to my lymph nodes yet. Usually when it goes to your lymph nodes, it will be like a stage three. Um, However, I have seen that there's kind of a blend. If there's not that many lymph nodes involved, it might be a late stage two. Mm. And then stage four is when it goes.
2: So if you would have had to wait six months. Other places.
3: Exactly. (laughs) And my my grade how aggressive it was was the highest level grade three so my team you know we will never know for certain but they don't think that the tumor was in there long and it grew to 3.6 centimeters yeah yeah so that could have been who knows a couple months or whatever yeah and did you do self-checks regularly at that point I wasn't doing self-checks regularly Um, I knew to do them. And the craziest part for me was that, like, I found my lump in the summer, um, you know, in and out of bathing suits, newly married, you know. Yeah. But I could not feel the lump unless my arm was raised. Right. And that's why even now when I show how to do a breast exam, I make sure I say that lift your arm because that 3.6 centimeter lump was in me and I didn't even know. um, Even when I knew it, if my arm was down, you could barely feel it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's important that you're going around talking about it because even when we were supposed to record before I got sick, I was like, Hey, I need to reschedule. Cause I have to go get a lump checked. So I've had this lump under my left arm. I saw it at the beginning of summer and I was like, Oh, it's a swollen gland. Right? I'm like it'll go down, I'm like still not going down. And I kept looking at it, kept looking at it. And then we were at the dance fit thing and you were like, from your armpit down through right. your ribs. I remember you being like oh, I was like, "Oh shit." <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, "Okay." Oh my goodness. So, I called the doctor um that Monday and I was like, "Hey, I've got a lump in my armpit and I think I guess I should get it checked <laughs> cuz I just thought it was like a swollen gland and um but yeah, when I the first doctor I saw, she's like, I'm not worried about it, which is comforting to hear that. It's like, okay, good. Because she, you do trust right?
1: that there, you know, <laughs> I have this uh, trust, antitrust I do relationship. <laughs> I, do, I do too. I do too. But you do trust their opinion because you know, they're experts, right? Right. That's how we
2: view doctors. And, and that's also what you want to hear.
0: You're yes. like,
2: yes, I'm going here to hear that I'm okay. Yeah. And she's like, oh, it's on your left side. You have toddlers. You probably hold them on your left side the entire time. You've built up more muscle there, and I'm like, it doesn't feel like muscle. It's not very strong. I <laughs> feel yeah. like, and it's, it's new.
1: Yeah, and it's new. Right. It's not like I grew this <laughs> armpit muscle, right,
2: on my fifth child, <laughs> on my <laughs> fifth child. You know, two and a half years later. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's not like bulking up my mm-hmm. armpit. <laughs> so anyway, but she immediately, you know, gave me the referral, yeah. and she's like, we're going to do this, and we're going to do an ultrasound. You know. And just super, you know, making sure, but also have a good relationship with that doctor because she was the one that I went into labor with baby number four on Christmas day at 29 weeks and the water broke. And like, then nobody believed my water broke because then it healed back up and all this crazy stuff, but she was there and remembered it. And so she's really a big advocate for me, um, as well. So it is important to have the doctors you trust, but It's great that you're going around talking about that because who knows how long I would have been like, hmm, maybe I should get that checked. Yeah. Not realizing my armpit could be, yeah, could be breast cancer or, you know, associated with it. So all that to say, it is a benign tumor.
3: Yay. Okay. I was wondering.
1: (laughs)
2: So yeah, the result is it's a benign. So does
1: that just, so you just watch it.
2: I have to go back and get it rechecked all the time. Yeah. Just to
1: make sure. Mm -hmm. And who knows why it came. That's the thing for me. I'm like, can you tell me why this is happening? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. know? But also I think there's this running theme, which is where my trust issues come from, is that so often, I don't know if men experience this, but as women, I hear so many stories of just being told like, oh, well, that's not what that is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's no explanation. There's no further testing. There's no... um, you know, trying to get to the root of anything. It's just, in my experience, oh, we'll just take this medication yeah, and hopefully we'll you feel better. Out. <laughs> yeah, right, with no further like, well, but why is my gallbladder inflamed? Right. Why is that a thing? Um, and I, I think there is a lot of that happening where it feels very dismissive and then you're like, wait, am I, am I crazy? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just, you know, these constant headaches are just from something else or, you know, you just feel, Feel like you should if you get the answer and the doctor of, you know, oh, try and change this or take this pill or whatever. And then you're like, okay, guess I guess that was it. I guess there's no more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) You know, which is why I think there's so many functional medicine doctors now that are looking at your whole being. Mm -hmm. And people like Kelsey and stuff like that who are looking at all the functions of your entire body, Jenny, with hormones and all that stuff. Um, Because so much factors into your health, right? When you were going through treatment, um, did you change anything else? Like did you change diet or like anything like that to help through chemo and all of that stuff?
3: So my team was pretty adamant about being careful um, with fresh sounds so crazy but fresh vegetables and fruit Mm -hmm. so just because they could have um you know bacteria and my immune system was so low so we were just cooking everything but I was really honoring my body with whatever it craved and a lot of times that was carbs um my first four rounds of chemo were an intense chemo they so kindly call the red devil and yeah it's red going in Kind of red coming out. Yeah. (laughs) um, Yeah. It just makes you super nauseous. And another breast cancer survivor told me that like in your journey, just honor your body. And I really took that to heart. And now I pay that forward. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, I was always very active, but even that, I had to honor my body. Where maybe I'm not doing a full workout, but on some days it was just walking around the block, yeah, and that's what I could accomplish that day. Yep. So for me, it was really just focusing on keeping my mindset strong, yeah, and then making sure I can move in some capacity. Um, I had a week a week of like intense side effects from the chemo and then a week where you felt normal. So that's right after treatment. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I had eight rounds of chemo. So for the first four rounds, it was a week of you're feeling terrible. You're happy. If you get out of bed, you're happy if you're not gagging. Um, And then the next week it kind of runs its course and it's out of your system. And you're like, wow, Oh my gosh, I could go for a run. I could Mm. lift weights, Mm -hmm. but then it is cumulative. So slowly, you just feel it taking down your body. Uh, sure. And with all the steroids, I gained 30 pounds, yeah. you know. So I would love to say, yeah, it was the healthiest I've been. But really, I was just well, honoring no, my I, body yeah. with like whatever the heck it needed to to fight this thing. Mm-hmm. What and was the
2: whole length and, you know, treatment plan for you? What did so that look
3: like? I started chemo in October of 2020. Finished chemo in early February of 21. I had a bilateral mastectomy a day after my 29th birthday, St. Patrick's Day, 2021. And then I had reconstruction surgery uh, in June of 21. Wow.
2: How did that look with COVID? Were they constantly COVID testing you?
3: I did have COVID, te- yes. And my my husband and my team, my best friend wound up moving down. She does mass events and all events were at a standstill. Um she stayed at like a guest apartment we were renting in Fayetteville at the time and they were so adamant about keeping me safe because at that point there wasn't a vaccine and you know, I know everyone feels differently about COVID vaccines, but at least it was a little bit of safety, especially for those who were immunocompromised. So I didn't go to the store. I was just very much a shut in. Yeah. And as a social person, I think it might've been a good time for me to get, if there is a good time to get cancer. Um, but nobody else was like out traveling and doing things. Right. You didn't have the FOMO. And yeah, a lot of <laughs> other people like weren't visiting people. So a lot of people didn't have visitors. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. But uh, during that is when all the kindness stuff was born. Right? Yes.
3: Yeah. So on my first day of chemo, um, I launched the Chemo to Kindness Challenge. And that was to honor the kindness of the nurse from the beginning but it was also to raise awareness that this can happen to young women um, and that triple negative breast cancer exists. So when I I had like proactively cut my hair off, um, knowing that it was going to fall out eventually, and I'm sitting uh, in the car on the way to that appointment doing my Canva flyer, and I was just thinking, how can I take this on? So on day one, I invited the community. I posted it on social media. And I said, hey, for the next 16 weeks of chemo, because you have a week on and a week off of your side effects, do an act of kindness in my honor and tell me about it. And it could be holding the door for someone. It could be paying a coffee forward. It could be something even more special to you. But I want to hear about it. So on my darkest days, I am lit up with the kindness happening uh, for me. And I had just listened to a podcast that talked about the science behind that and how even if you don't do the act of kindness and you hear about it, you just get lit up. Um, Your serotonin levels and your oxytocin, your love drugs, they all just like get so excited that kindness is happening in the world. So I was like, I'm going to do it. And my life mantras were always seize the day and make an impact. And I thought if I'm doing... Like if I need to go face this hardest thing in my life, I'm going to channel these two things and invite everyone to do it with me. So I think that was beautiful during COVID because everyone was so far apart and isolated and people were losing their jobs or their jobs were changing, but it gave people purpose to be kind and go out of their way in ways they might not have. In my honor, but I think other people used it to as, as a boost. Sure. Absolutely.
1: And what a way for you to create connection with so many people in a time where a lot of people weren't connecting, you know, Mm -hmm. especially in the beginning there. Um, you know, that first, you know, 2020 March to the, (laughs) the end of the year, for sure. It was a really weird time. Yeah, so you were in Fayetteville at that time. You didn't go to Japan.
3: Yeah, so they told us we weren't going to Japan. So in the midst of um, treatment, my husband was wonderful. He really led the charge of looking for a home. And I said, if we are staying here, I want to come this way towards more County. Yeah, what made just... you say that, though? Because we had come here on the weekends, mm-hmm. and it was just always such a beautiful place yeah. to enjoy life. And I was not enjoying life where we were renting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, And we actually wound up buying the first house we looked at. Wow. We just knew. We still looked at some other houses after, but we're like, wow, should it be this easy? Yeah. And at that point, my hair was short. I think I was like one chemo session in. Mm. But when we got the keys to our house, I was bald and we were popping uh apple cider yeah <laughs> I had bottles and bottles of apple cider so I could celebrate all my achievements but not drink <laughs> yeah
1: that's great I love it it still is the spirit of celebration it, exactly yeah you
2: don't have to have the bubbly or alcoholic bubbly okay I'm ready to ask my question okay great <laughs> great great and I got my voice back without having a coughing <laughs> attack um so one of my employees is also a breast cancer survivor but she's still having to do treatment it's been more than a year. Is that, is the, it because it's a different type of breast cancer or how does that work? It sounds like yours was a much shorter time period than hers is. And so we're like planning her days that she can work based around how she feels. Yep. So that could
3: be a number of reasons. It could be a different type of breast cancer. It could be um, some people who had triple negative, they didn't have a complete response to the chemo. And then they need either radiation or immunotherapy after. Um, So it could be a number of reasons, but maybe she had one of those things. Or if it was just a different type of breast cancer, then their protocol is getting sessions after, like after the main treatment goes. Mm -hmm. And I will say that um, for me, survivorship was probably one of the hardest parts of the journey. And I don't think a lot of people talk about that either. They think you get through breast cancer, you did it, now you get to grow your hair back and come back out with us. But you just faced so much in such a short period of time and you face life and death um, for yourself. And I think in the military community, we think about it a lot, but you don't always think about it for the spouse, right? Right. So survivorship is its own beast as well. Mm -hmm. So it would be interesting. Like I have friends that have done immunotherapy, but then they're also facing the survivorship trials of coming out of treat, of active treatment. What does that look like? I mean, for me, it looked yeah. like getting into therapy. Therapy was offered to me the whole time going through treatment. But I think I was so strong knowing that I had a job to do. I had, you know, every other week I was showing up. I had this kindness challenge that really turned out to be amazing. We wound up having 1,700 acts come in. Wow. And I was so overwhelmed with all the love that I launched a website and I had the nonprofits that we were impacting. And so. Yeah, you were like, this is my purpose right now. Yes. And I'm chugging along. I channeled that. Yep. And then all of a sudden you finish chemo, you finish surgery. And I, I remember I did a real, my doctor was like, go out and live your life. And then I was walking in a store and it was a song like, go on and live your life. <laughs> and I'm like, this is a sign. I'm ready to live my life. And then I'm in fetal position in my house because I'm so stressed out that nobody's checking on me anymore. And the cancer snuck in the first time. How do we know it's not coming back? Mm -hmm. And I kept calling my team, calling my team. And they're like, no, we're good. We'll see you in a month or two. And then finally one day I was like in the area and I just showed up. (laughs)
1: Which I'm sure it's not
3: uncommon. Yeah, I was like, so in case you guys didn't believe me, and Mm -hmm. even like I walked in without the mask, they're like, you need your mask. It's, you know, still COVID. Um, But my, my nurse hugged me at that point, and she said, I think it's time you talk to someone. And I really learned that for survivorship, you still need to be your own advocate. You think you learn everything, and you think you got through the thick of it. But I think now all this time and space gives your body time to process and your mind time to process. And you just think, Whoa, that's a lot. And now who am I? Like I, I can't move my body like I used to. I'm 30 pounds heavier. I have these new boobs, these new scars, and Mm -hmm. it's just learning to love your body where it's at. Mm -hmm. So for me it looked like therapy. It looked like I did an energy course for a few weeks and that was amazing to get, again, get my mindset back and really going into advocacy and paying it forward and knowing for other women like these stories need to be told.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have I, you oh have sorry. you reconnected <laughs> with that nurse that you initially? Yes. Met? So
3: and we're having lunch this weekend. Oh, <laughs> I love
2: that. Yeah. Um, Which I think is so um
1: interesting I mean all of it is like it just all right place right time right people, you know, all these advocates for you in those moments, but rarely do I have a nurse that is like loving her job mm-hmm. when I show up, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, here, put this thing here. All right, the doctor will be in in a minute. So the fact that you had this woman that completely changed your day around, because I know you were like late and, and yes, all the this
3: stuff. Um, <laughs> I saved you some of the details. <laughs> yeah. So you
1: can, I mean, you can share that now, but it's really rare.
3: Yes. Yeah. And even now when I see nurses who love what they do, I always say – and honestly, whenever la- – yesterday I got my car washed, which I know it's raining today, whatever. <laughs> but You willed this to happen. <laughs> I told the guys – like they were so kind when I got back in the car and I was like, I just want you guys to know you your job is really important today because I have some important meetings coming up this week and I just wanted my car cl- – like you're helping me show up as my best self. Yeah. And they were like, wow, thank you so much. Yeah. And now when I go see nurses and – they're happy or even if they're not, I just say, I just want you to know your job is so important because a nurse changed my life. Yeah. And like, even that, I feel like is an act of kindness. Why yeah. are you both crying? At me?
2: <laughs> we cry at the same stuff all the time. We don't even know the other person is crying. Oh my gosh, I know. I think we it's just because we sit next to each other. <laughs> I, for me, I was crying because I, I had a nurse do Did this. So. Yeah. Do the same thing when I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die because I had that placenta abruptia with the pregnancy, and her name is Joy, actually. And I saw her in Harris Teeter later, and it's just really sad because a lot of those people aren't in the medical field. Like, I went up. It's hard to talk already. Uh Um, I went up to her in Harris Teeter, and I was like, hey, I just want to thank you. And I don't even know if she remembered me. Yeah, She's like, yeah, I don't work there anymore. And I was like, oh, no, that's so sad. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, no, that's why I'm crying. Yeah. I don't know why Caitlin's crying.
1: Well, I think that <laughs> we undervalue just the being human. Yes. You know, that like, sure, you wash cars. You're not, a, you know, a saving the world or something. We've put so many people up on these pedestals that they should get all these accolades. But somebody who... Makes your car clean, that makes your day better. You're driving around in, in a clean car, which just automatically changes your mood, should get the same thank you. Mm-hmm. And like, you matter. And this made my day. We don't say that enough to people. And that is so important to me. It's what I try to do in our work culture every day is like, hey, I see you. I just see that you matter because you're a human being and I see that you're doing these things. Mm-hmm. And if we can do that more, I just think everybody benefits from that. You benefited by just telling them Mm -hmm. and then they benefit and they're probably like,
2: that was great. That lady made my day. And the thing is, they're going to do a better job now too, because they're going to see more value in their work and what they're doing Mm -hmm. rather than be like, oh, I got to go clean someone's car. Yeah. Yeah. Until they get to my car and then they'll be like, oh, never mind. I quit. Yeah. (laughs) We, well, that's- <laughs> they're like, sorry, yeah, yeah, you'll really-
1: get there, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think we were talking, I do a team training and this week we're talking about self-awareness and part of the practice is to replay back a moment in your day where you felt triggered. It could be a positive emotion or even a negative emotion. But I, I try to stress, we should do this also with our positive emotions because so often we feel these things where we want to share our gratitude, our love, our appreciation, kindness, and something feels awkward in it. And then you kick yourself because you're like, Oh, I should have told that person I love them before they got on the plane. Or I should have, you know, said, thank you. I really appreciate you for somebody who held the door or even just making eye contact and saying, good morning. And when we did this exercise yesterday, so many people we thinking back on the positive emotions and the things that they were like, oh, I wish I would have said that. I wish I would have expressed it a little bit differently or like, you know, had the courage and bravery to actually speak up, even though it was awkward mm-hmm. to say something nice. It's like, how have we gotten so used to saying, you know, or honking the horn, you know, when it's, it's a red or a green light, you know, or I witnessed this man in the grocery line Yelling at the checker because he wasn't going fast enough. And I, and this boy was a teenage boy, and I said, He's doing the best he can. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. You know, we've gotten so far away from that. And I think it's so incredible that you see the value in saying that to people out loud. Even mm-hmm. if it makes them feel
3: awkward, because sometimes yeah. compliments yeah. are like,
2: ee. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know? Don't know, how
3: to take You're it. are like, No, I really appreciate you. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. So but, tell yeah, tell yeah. us about that relationship with the nurse. So,
3: um, my nurse is Nurse Adriana. And so, in survivorship, I've started selling hats and cards. And I just think all of this, I feel like my life sometimes is just meant to be, but mm-hmm. I was delivering hats um, for a nonprofit, Beacon Brag. Mm-hmm. And I was – all of a sudden, I didn't look at the way the maps were taking me. And I realized two minutes away from my destination, oh, my gosh, I'm at that same clinic. That that is where Mm. this all went down. This is where I met my angel. And I always said that she was my angel. And, you know, I've talked about her extensively. I even emailed her. But I don't know if she never got it or what happened. I had called in the middle of treatment – she wasn't working that day, and then you know I'm not just calling every week. Like, <laughs> you know, this lady's times, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but instead I I dropped off the hats, which made my heart so happy. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to swing by into this clinic and see if she just even still works here, because like you said, that might not be the case.
2: Yeah, people left during covid the medical yeah. field like crazy yeah yeah, yeah. So, so
3: hard i walk in and immediately am flooded with all these emotions mm-hmm. and i go to the front desk and they made me pull a number before i even talk to them <laughs> and <I'm> like, okay <laughs> of course <laughs> yes um but i just say hi is Na- is nurse adriana here and I start crying and I say, um, you know, sorry, I'm a little overwhelmed right now. But years ago, she saved my life because she said yes right away. And then immediately I was like, oh, oh this this is my happening. gosh, this is happening. Yeah. So she calls calls her and she comes out and immediately like I just feel this love again. And I'm crying and I just said, you saved my life. And she goes, I remember. I re-, she remembered what I was wearing that day. She remembers that conversation and we just had a beautiful meeting and I was showing her some of the videos where I've talked about her and I'm like, this is all the good that you, like you let me live that day. That's And I really believe that her kindness is what changed the trajectory of my life, which then inspired me to do the kindness challenge and all these beautiful things. I'm like, all of these things were done thanks to your first act of kindness and, um, it was beautiful. She told me that her mother had breast cancer at 27 and her mother lived to 80 to be 80. Yeah. Wow. So she always advocates for young women and women in general. If they're not going to do the breast exam, just do it because you never know. Uh, Yeah. And it's like, at that point,
1: you're, they're already usually up in your hoo-ha. Like, sure, touch my boobs, throw it in. Exactly, It's like, that's (laughs) like the least of my things. Like, you know what I mean? Like, sure. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. (laughs) I've never heard of a doctor say like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. Right. Like, we'll do the pap, but like,
2: we won't do the, the breast exam. Yeah. So did you guys start getting together regularly after that or?
3: no? So we've texted a bunch, but this will actually be the first time. Wow. Um that we're we're meeting for lunch.
2: Can you send us a picture? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> i'm
3: I'm so excited to see her. And does she um, have kids? She, she, she has kids. Okay. She sent me photos of her kids. Yeah. Um, she sent me photos of her mom. I've sent her photos when I learned uh, we were pregnant. Yeah. you know, it's just like so many beautiful life experiences that we've been sharing. And I met her. Um, I know I mentioned you asked like, when did I find out I was pregnant? It was in New Jersey. I wound up being in New Jersey for two months. So I met her, I think, on a Friday, and we left for New Jersey on Saturday. Mm. And then my dad had surgery, and then I took on caregiver life. So I was I was just away for a long time. But we're making it happen.
2: Yeah, Awesome. <laughs> Explain Sorry. the hat sitting on our table and yeah. everything that you're doing right now.
3: Yeah. So I love sharing two messages. One is be kind, and one is serve, Mm-hmm. And survivra is French for survive. And this was in a book when I was first diagnosed and it just stuck with me. But when you think of survive, you think of you're barely hanging on. And survivra, when you use break down to its root words, sur means on and vivra means to live, on to live. And so when I read that, I channeled survivra all the way through my journey. And I just thought... Other people need to know this, not just cancer survivors, but anyone who's facing a hardship needs to be reminded that we can keep moving forward. And you might get knocked back a little bit, but just have that hope and know you're not alone. So this is the hat, Survebra. And then um, I also have some hats and cards and some other things with Be Kind, and again, I just feel like both are great conversation starters about the importance of kindness mm-hmm. and the importance of moving forward.
2: Yeah. I think what you were saying even about the coming to grips with the body image thing, you know, a lot of us won't ever, you know, struggle from breast cancer, but, you know, changes that happen to you medically or just because of life and having to figure out how to cope with that is so is also a great message, you know, mm-hmm. at people after they have babies, or after they have C sections, or you know, after they get their gallbladder taken out, or their hormones start going crazy, and they get this rapid weight gain, and all of that can just take over our lives so much emotionally, um, or even the the factor that stress has on people's bodies, yeah, mm-hmm. um, and that's a lot to cope with. So, you know, definitely sharing. The, the story about breast cancer, but even that aspect of it, of like embracing what you've become because of this, that, that goes to men, women, children, everything. Like mm-hmm. crap's going to happen in your life and it's going to change who you are, how you are and how you move forward after that is what's important. So that's, I mean, that's a message for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's incredible.
1: What are some of the things that you do to help with that part? To help just start to be comfortable with what your life is now? I know you said therapy, but are there like tools
3: and practices that you do consistently to help? I think really it's gratitude for my body and everything that it's brought me through. And it's interesting now um, being pregnant because I gained all this weight with cancer and then that body didn't feel like me and I. I learned the phrase loving yourself into change. And I feel like that has been at the heart of a lot of my own body journey. So I've loved myself into change and getting myself back to being healthy. And now I'm loving myself and honoring this baby. And again, like, well, what do we need? Maybe we need to stretch. Maybe we need to not do a hit workout. I learned that <laughs> the hard way recently. <laughs> um, but I think really keeping that at the center of self-love and cancer taught me how beautiful, maybe it didn't teach me, it reminded me how precious life is. Mm. And I was always the picture taker when I was like going to events or with my friends. But even now, you know, so many times as women, we don't want to be in the photo if we're not done. And I hear this a lot with moms I'll tell you in a few months. Yeah, <laughs> Follow back up with but, this. But, you know, like when I felt like a boy, my hair's growing back, I'm heavier. I still want to be in that photo because I am so grateful that we have this precious time together and we are sharing this precious life. Yeah. And I think coming back to that grounding reminder that life is precious and that you can love yourself and to change you can love yourself for who you are and everything that you've been through, that's a great way just to kind of snap back from – Oh, I'm not this enough, or I'm not that, or what's wrong with this? Mm
2: -hmm. How did your husband have to adapt? You said the military is great and let him stay home. How long did that last, and how is that looking now?
3: Yeah, so now he's a normal military.
2: (laughs) No, he's not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So
3: when I was in fetal position, it's he went back to work, and I was like. How did it happen that everyone was checking on me all the time and now it's just me and my dog, me and my Charlie, home by ourselves? And, you know, it was was crazy. But, yeah, he since had his first deployment. uh, We managed that. And I had a scare. I thought I felt some weird tissue while he was gone. And it's just interesting having these two – in my opinion, heavyweight titles, a breast cancer survivor and a military spouse Mm -hmm. because when things are happening simultaneously, it's really hard and sometimes you think, you know, in the breast cancer community, I see people struggling and they're like, well, I'm going to lean on my husband and I'm like, well, I haven't talked to my husband in more than 24 hours and I don't know where he is. But, yeah, yeah. so he's back. He's doing the things he loves, which honestly, I love that for him and He supports me doing the things I love. So uh, Caitlin got to see him come to the event with Cotton and Grain. And that was the first time he got to see me speak in person. No way. Since like
1: college. This gives me chills, Lorelai, because I sat there and I I hadn't been introduced to him, but I knew who he was when he sat back there. This is going to make me cry because I looked back there and... His face was so full of just like pride and love and joy that I was like, oh, there is no way that is not her husband, you know? (laughs) And he just was lit up for you. And then when I met him, when I bought hats and stuff, he was just so in his element. Like he just loved that this was your thing, you know? He wasn't trying to take credit for anything. Like not that he can't, but you know what I mean? Like he just felt it felt like he felt um just so much admiration mm-hmm. and like he's just you are his pride and joy. Oh. Yeah. Well, Ugh. thank
3: you. Yeah, that night was so special <laughs> and he's seen me practice and yes. do dress rehearsals and like I I practice a lot leading up to speeches and then when yeah. you travel like he's not always with me or right. he's going somewhere else You're too. in your element. Yes. Where you're like
1: just focused on this this thing. Yes. Yeah.
3: So it was really amazing to have him there and for him to see, you know, he's a tough critic. Even when I was going through chemo, I wound up doing monthly or monthly, weekly lives on Instagram and Facebook to give an update of my symptoms and the kindness challenge. And he and my best friend, they were like, you didn't hit this mark. You didn't say to go to the website. I'm like, I'm bald. you please take it easy on me. But but looking back...
2: (laughs) Looking back, you probably almost appreciate that because you don't want people to necessarily treat you differently. Yeah. Oh, I
3: love that. I love them so much. And they, I know y'all love your Enneagram numbers. Yeah. I know my husband is a one, so he likes doing things the right way. That's why
1: he was the critic too. He was like, hey, listen, that
3: was great. And you could also have done this stuff better. Exactly. (laughs) And I'm a seven. (laughs) So I'm like... We don't need to write all this down. I don't need to read a script like uh-huh. let yeah. me free flow yeah. and spontaneity. Adventure. Yes. But the
1: one goes to seven in growth.
2: Yeah. You yeah. can
3: let go a little.
2: So how how did he cope with all of it during it? Did he also go to therapy or was he just like, I'm just gonna be here for you? Did he work out more? Like I can picture yeah. my husband like mm-hmm. being like, I'm gonna start this new hobby, you know, to physically have Luke would outlet. become a doctor that's what would happen yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I talk about the research yes Luke would literally short of getting an MD that's what would happen yeah
2: I don't know what my husband would do I feel like he'd pick up a hobby to be like okay I need something else to take my to brain off of this to control and I know that's on. a
1: whole aspect though like you yeah. have your journey but he has his journey right yep.
2: and that's what I'm curious about what his journey was like too
3: yeah so he Was by my side with everything, looking up everything, making sure that I was taking my medications at the right time. Wonderful in that caregiver role where we don't always think about caregivers is what's going on with them. So I love that you asked that question. We struggled because we don't handle problems the same way. Yeah. So I'm talking to all these survivors. I'm, you know, in survivorship, I went into therapy but I'm like, don't you want to talk to other husbands that are going through this? He doesn't handle problems that way. Right? How does he handle problems? He wanted time to himself. He wanted to go into the gym, just work out, have that time. And um, yeah, that was kind of hard because I would always ask him, like, are you processing this?
1: <laughs> well, that's the male and, and the female we're different. brain too.
3: Yeah, we're, our brains are different. And, you know, but he he really was amazing. I think it really hit him after treatment and then when he deployed not the whole deployment but really leaving me for that far for that long um and at that point I was doing my inner work you know I'm like oh we're good babe don't worry (laughs) it's okay yeah yeah (laughs) but um no thank you for asking that and I think even um I, like one day I could tell that the energy was getting really low between my husband, my best friend, you know, now she's in this cancer world where every day it's what's the symptom? What can we eat? What are we feeling? And it was on one of my good weeks. I was like, surprise caregivers. It's caregivers day out. Oh. We're going to lunch outside. And I just remember they're like, what? Like, you don't need to do this. But we did. We needed that shift yeah. And they needed to know that they deserve whatever they needed to.
1: Right. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people think about that. You don't right? think
2: about it till you go through it cuz like yeah. and that's why I think about it cuz when you know really tragic things hit your life and it's like that person's trying to be so strong to support you and how they handle it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's something that I think is really neglected a lot so
1: yeah and I would imagine maybe easier to connect in the way that we do as females where we're like let's just process this verbally and talk and talk it through and then it feels like a weight lifted off of our shoulders whereas males typically internally process Mm -hmm. they don't have to verbally process so we're always like are you okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) are you doing are you processing this right and they're probably just like yeah it's it's in here I don't have to share it with you you know but that's I mean that's the hard thing about just being male and female. I was going to say, that's just spending marriage. Spending your too. life together.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. That's, that's marriage. Yeah, I, but you
1: were thrown into that. Right? Yes. Like, let's test this immediately.
2: Yes. Yeah, wow. the hardship. Like, it's hard enough to be a newlywed. Yeah. yeah,
3: but that's, I mean, I always say, like, that is my teammate, and he is, um, even when I was diagnosed, we didn't really touch on this, but the team said, Go right into the chemo, you know, you're young. We really believe as long as everything goes forward, you'll be able to have a family one day. Um, so some people will delay and try to do IVF. And my, you know, I talked about it with Andrew. I said, I know where my heart lies. And he goes, I married you. Like I want you here. Yeah. And then all throughout my journey, it was just we are a team, you know, we always hoped that we could have a family and and here we are all these years later. But It just shows, I don't know, I forget where that started, but it was really beautiful. Yeah, that
1: you guys are teammates. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, that, I mean, obviously he married you and he wants you here, but just to be able to verbalize that and for him to be vulnerable enough to just say like, no, you're it, like we're, we're moving forward because you matter, Yeah, you know?
2: Oh, I just cry this all the time. Oh, it's <laughs> fine. What else did we not touch on? Because we don't know what we don't know. Well, I have a question because
1: it... you keep referencing the team and I think I know what that means. But who are all those people who are advising you and, you know,
3: that you go to when you're like, oh, my gosh, am I okay? Yeah. <laughs> so I have a wonderful oncologist. I had an oncology surgeon and then I had a plastic surgeon. So those are the main doctors on my team. They had an oncology board that they would have meetings with when I was first diagnosed. Um, and then all of my team of nurses. So they were amazing. They were the ones that were actually administering the chemo. They were putting the Lupron shots in my butt every, mm-hmm. <laughs> every 28 days to try to suppress my ovaries and put me into medical menopause. And that was for what purpose? That was to try to protect the eggs that I had in me. So Mm. we didn't do IVF. Right, right. So that was another protective layer. So how chemo works is it attacks fast-growing cells, which is why for triple negative, even though there's not a lot of uh, options, it tends to be really good when it comes to chemo because it's growing fast, this tumor, and then the chemo sees that and attacks it. Our bodies, our reproductive systems, a lot of moving cells also. So the Lupron shots put that into a dormant stage and hope to protect it because chemo is looking at your fast-growing cells. That makes sense. Mm. So they were very – they, my team, were pretty confident that I would get my period back after all of this. And, you know, one day we could have a family. But uh, I I talk about this – when I talk about just my treatment in general, I had the eight rounds of chemo. I had four rounds of Lupron. Um, so the night sweats, all that, because medical menopause is just like menopause. Yeah. So mm. I've been there. So you're having the side effects of that and chemo yes. simultaneously. Yes. Jeez. And then um, the bilateral mastectomy. So that's where they take all your breast tissue. And I don't think we touched on that, but that like different breast cancer survivors, you might have a friend that, just has a lumpectomy. And that's it. It's just taking out where that tumor was. You might have someone that loses one breast, like your grandmother, 92, or myself, where I was 28, going to be 29. And I was, cry- you know, it was such a hard decision because, again, we always wanted a family. I've always been so blown away by our bodies as women and what we can do. And I just, even if it didn't work, I always wanted to try to breastfeed. But with how sneaky that triple negative was, like I knew I wanted to go at this with everything I had. And I just thought a bilateral mastectomy was the right choice for me. So was that advice to you? And then
1: it was ultimately up to you? Mm-hmm. Or had you done your research on that to figure out kind of what you wanted?
3: Yeah. So again, that is where the team my team kind of presented different options and even reconstruction was an option. So I did opt for implants, but I have some friends that have chosen an aesthetic flat closure. And that's a wonderful option too. Um, when I was speaking with my team about what we needed, my oncology, my oncologist thought, okay, the chemo worked so well, maybe you just need a lumpectomy. But then when I spoke with my oncology surgeon, she said, because of the size of the tumor compared to my breast at the time mm. there was it was too much she said I really recommend at least you lose your right breast and it's up to you if you lose your left and some people keep their nipple some people don't um, again it was advised for me on the right side to lose my nipple so I could have had my left breast still be a functioning left breast but again I did my own kind of community research and the numbers don't really, the numbers aren't overwhelming to get the bilateral, and even now, cancer cells can still grow on your chest wall or like on your skin. Uh, however, I kept seeing stories that it came back in the other breast years later, mm. or you know, just they didn't feel like they did everything they could, and that's where for me, I wanted to do everything I possibly could. Yeah. So even if it comes back, I have zero regrets. Yeah. Right. Did but you, again, I'm trying to live to 100, so. yeah.
2: <laughs> During the treatment, did you meet other victims? Like, I know people that go through treatments or dialysis, their appointments are at the same time every week. Did you meet other people going through the same thing and have your treatments all together and still keep in touch with them?
3: I only had one person who I had chemo with on the same day, and she is my sweet friend Inga, and I have shared a video of our relationship, but... I went in for my last chemo and I couldn't get it. I woke up that morning and I was like, something doesn't feel right. My Mm. husband, my best friend, they were like, it's amazing. It's your last day. I'm like, I don't know, guys. We'll see. We'll see. I get in there. I am neutropenic. I had 0.0 white blood cells in my body. Oh, So they could not give me chemo. However, I had- So they test all of that every time? Every time. They draw your blood. They take your weight because they're making sure they're giving you the medicine for your body Uh that day. And um, I had the custom cookies done for my nurses. Thank you, everyone. I'm so glad for this grand finale, even though it didn't feel right. (laughs) And they come in. They're like, yeah, you can't get chemo today. But I was sitting next to Inga. And Inga had a different type of cancer than I have. Um, I always, she had stage three I'm forgetting which which cancer at the moment. Sorry, Inga, if you're listening. Um, (laughs) But she saw my cookies, and they had like 1,600 acts on them, which was the kindness challenge, and it said thank you with all the different nurses' names. And I started telling her, and I was showing her the website. So we just had this really beautiful exchange. Well, weeks, months actually go by. Well, no, just weeks. Um, I go in for my surgery, And now this is COVID. So Andrew was only allowed to really drop me off. Right. And I'm not allowed a guest in the room with me. I'm sleeping over at night. So I'm waking up with no breasts a day into my 29th year. And I just know that I'm getting wheeled back. Well, when I get wheeled back into the room, I hear, Lorelai, is that you? Oh. And it was Inga. What? And Inga, who also wasn't allowed to have guests was my roommate for the night. Oh my gosh. Oh so my gosh. we are still friends and we celebrated we celebrated a year um, you know, of our night in the hospital. And we always say we have our night in the hospital together, oh. but um your one night stand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. She I was hungry. A lot of people said like, oh, you don't always eat after this. I like door dashed myself a steak salad. That's oh, good for you. <laughs> yeah. But then I couldn't really use my arm. So Inga yeah. cut my salad for Aww. me. And we walked the hospital floor. Um, but yeah, wow. she, wing, Inga is really my one person.
2: Yeah, yeah I'm glad I asked that because I love seeing like relationships that come out of these things that you would have never met somebody Damn. otherwise. Oh my gosh. So you have the mastectomy and
1: then how long until you can have reconstructive surgery?
3: I, for me, it was three months, three months. Yep. So I also opted for the reconstruction with implants. So when I had the bilateral mastectomy, they put in expanders. Yeah. I was going to ask. So imagine expanders, almost like a balloon attached to like a plastic disc. So the plastic disc is on your chest wall and then the little plastic balloon is in front and you just get a shot um, with liquid I, saline, and they just expand. slowly expand the expanders to I stretch make this your face. Skin. Because did it feel that way? Did it feel like my face looks it, like? <laughs> oh. Not the shot because I didn't. Ha- I don't have much feeling here anymore. But just the but the stretching. Of it, yeah, yeah. Ooh. It was it was a little tight and uncomfortable. Did they take all of like your skin? So when they take all of your tissue, are they taking all of the skin there as well? So. Even that, there are different types of surgeries. Okay. So the way my surgeon did it, um, and now I don't have nipples on either side, but he almost cut like eyeball shape, if you imagine around your nipple. Mm-hmm. So like if your pupil was your nipple, and then they cut that, they take out all your breast tissue, um, and then they sew it up. So I have straight lines across. Okay. So it's like uh,
1: the eyeball shape of skin also that came yes. out. Okay.
3: Yeah, I read that in my medical chart. How much skin came out? I was yeah. Like, oh my gosh, this is insane. Mm. And then I asked my, I'm like, do you have that back here? <laughs> <I'm like>,
2: Can <"Cause laughs> I? You do that? With that. Yeah. Like,
3: yeah. <laughs> you don't still have that, do you? <laughs> No, I'm sure. This is the relationship I have with my team after all this time, you know? Yeah, I really feel grateful.
1: What do you do with that skin? I know. It's like medical waste, unfortunately.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Where did my nipples go? Right. Where are they?
1: (laughs) Do you throw them in the trash? Actually, I'm very curious about that. New children's
3: book idea. Are you (laughs) my nipple?
1: (laughs) Are you my (laughs) nipple? Oh. Oh, my gosh. It, but That's speaking lovely. of nipples, um, I've seen a lot of women get uh, very beautiful nipple tattoos. Oh, my
3: gosh. I have some friends that have gotten them, and they are amazing. They look so realistic. Mm-hmm. And you can get, like, prosthetic nipples. Um, they even have stick-ons for temporary. They, wow. There are a lot of options out there. Yeah. That's crazy. Right now, I've been rocking my Barbie boobs, but... Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just kind of going to be... The future.
1: Yeah. You're figuring it out on the journey. hmm. Yeah. <laughs> figuring out those nipples on the journey. How yeah. did you find out about nipple tattoos? Um, I think I follow some tattoo artists okay. on Instagram and I think one of them has gotten into like breast reconstruction mm. tattooing yeah. essentially. And they're, they were like realistic tattoo artists.
2: That's really cool.
1: And yeah, I mean, they're not obviously, they look 3D. So you would really be able it's to tell. Wild.
0: That's crazy. I know we're
1: gonna have to pull it up and show you. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it really is
3: beautiful. Because again, for some women, they feel so lost. Right. And I, d- I've done so much work to love on my body and like love on these scars. And through my work and giving back, and I help with retreats. I'm now a board member for the Booby Queen Company,
0: mm-hmm. where we mm-hmm.
3: help other women celebrate themselves after cancer. But we have met women along the journey who struggle looking at their scars, let alone touching them. Yeah. And if you can't love your body, I mean, that is just a really big damper on how you're looking at everything else in life. Well, yeah. I mean,
1: you talk about, okay, so I made it through all of this treatment, faced death, now I'm on the other side of it. And like you said, no one's checking on me all the time. Mm-hmm. I am now not like it. It probably feels kind of like you've been dismissed a little bit like, wait, I'm not. I, I still need the love and attention and care and all that stuff. And now you're having to figure out your body on the other side. Yeah. And that's a longer journey than probably a lot of people's treatment, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's
3: where it's that self love, and every retreat I work on, I feel like I bring it back to these women and say, "Love yourself into change." Like I just feel like that quote is so powerful, and it's such a good reminder.
2: What are all the things you're doing? Because you keep mentioning being on boards for nonprofits. Like, give us the whole list of all.
1: Yeah,
3: so I see your resume. Yeah, (laughs) so I speak, um, and. That's on my own, and sometimes I also partner with different organizations to shed a light on military life or young breast cancer awareness. So that's been a really fun journey, and I love my speaking days. Those are the best. Um, I also sell hats and cards and give back. I am a media consultant with Genevieve's Helping Hands, so that was um, how I really got to meet you both with Forte. And then I'm a board member for the Booby Queen company. Awesome. I have a question. Uh, You know, we're like
1: getting to know you from your diagnosis on. But prior to that,
2: I sucked.
3: <laughs> I didn't talk to anyone.
1: I was <laughs> that, mean because no. you like
2: briefly touched on your childhood and like bad stuff, and I was like, I don't know if I should ask about that. I know.
1: Well, I'm just curious. Like, what was life like before all of this? Yeah. What What did you do for a living? What were you into? Because clearly, this has changed the complete trajectory of your life. Because you talk about what you do now, yeah, and it all focuses around the purpose and spreading awareness and all of these things. But
3: before that, I breast cancer probably wasn't even on your radar. Yeah. It well, here's the thing. It wasn't, but it was. Like I have always been, as I said, someone who wanted to spread kindness, spread the energy. I was in marketing, product development before. I worked corporate for Waterford Crystal um where I've done events and I helped work the Christmas Collection, which was amazing, like helped design it. Yeah. My gosh, glitter everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. But even when I was there, I started right out of college and I volunteered for the committees where we could bring in nonprofits and how can we impact our local community with this company. Then in 2016, I moved to Greensboro and I was working for nine different furniture brands doing PR, events, marketing. And again, my favorite projects were how can we make an impact? Mm-hmm. So at one point we did, one of my favorite ones was um, with Susan G. Komen of the Northwest, North Carolina. And we got all of our factories involved. We had survivors come in and do a self-exam. And I think we raised like thirty or $40,000 for them um, with a company donation too, yeah. but- those were always my favorite days. So this has been kind of trickling into your life for your all of your adulthood. Yeah, I mean- Like for this purpose. Like I said, when I was diagnosed- Already my life mantras were seize the day and make an impact. Mm-hmm. Like I was the friend. If you're getting married in England, I which is a true story, I will get there. I'm just not telling you how I'm getting there yet because <laughs> I might stop in another country on the way there. You're
1: like a friend and true meet a friend. To make the most of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is like Here I am. the poster child. Yes.
3: And rules are really hard to follow. So I mean I feel you on that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You're like, no, the rules matter. Yes. Yeah. You but, bad, bad girls. Yeah. Yes.
3: <laughs> but like kindness always mattered. In college, I was super involved. And like we did a week of kindness. We recognized people. Like we did a, an appreciation breakfast for different departments. And it's always been a part of my DNA. And then I think it woke me up. When yeah. I was diagnosed, I was working for an agency and – I felt very supported by them, but at the same time, I did feel stressed that I wasn't doing what I was meant to be doing. And so then when I was diagnosed, it was a hard look in the mirror, like, well, if this is it, how do I want to go out? Mm. And now I'm not going out and I'm just like, I want to
2: keep living my life with this love and this light and this creativity. And how do you feel about the pink month? Like, I know there's like this you know, kind of stigma around the pink month or whatever. And that's what Caitlin was saying. Mm -hmm. Like we should be talking about this stuff all year. Mm -hmm. Um, and so many people use marketing or use it for marketing, which is really frustrating. And I, you know, I'm the real follower. So I'm like, okay, how, what percentage of this is going towards that? Or are you just using this for your own benefit? Like, are you, what are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, it can be very triggering for some, and I will say this October, I think because I am doing so much, I have felt a really weird pressure, a self-induced pressure that I need to be showing up in a certain way, mm-hmm. even though I do talk about this all the time. Yeah, right. You're like, this it's is life. my whole life. Yeah. yeah. So even at the beginning of October, I was like, I'm going to post every day on social media, and then it was exhausting me because then I'm also missing things that maybe I should be seeing. And I decided this week, if you check my social media, I haven't posted every day because I was like, this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I am still showing up in my community. I'm still giving resources and, at the end of the day, I'm doing the best that I can with what I've got as a seven. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, and the
2: one-on-one and the in-person stuff means way more than social media anyways. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those personal connections that you're making.
3: Yeah, but it can be overwhelming walking into a store and just seeing pink everywhere. And I know it can be very triggering for some other survivors. For Mm -hmm. me, it's not too bad. I, I honestly appreciate that there is awareness, but my whole mission is to take it from beyond one pink ribbon and really like, let's really be aware. Let's Mm -hmm. really be aware that young women can get this. Let's Mm -hmm. really be aware that we can be our own advocate by doing a self exam.
1: Yeah. Which I did the night we came home from cotton and grains event. Yeah. I was like, and you know, Luke is laying in bed and he's like, Nope, you're doing it before we go to sleep. (laughs) That's why I said, he will be like, yeah, yeah. but I, I, I just, again, n- logically I know, oh yeah, do a self-examine. You know how to do it, but it was just never something that I was like, oh no, I'm, this is when I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um,
2: and I'm hoping, and that's what I'm saying. You're, you're having such an impact with that, that I don't, I'm sure people don't go then message you, by the way, I checked out my breast tonight, but you'd be you, surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure some, but <laughs> no. not everybody, like we wouldn't have told you probably if you didn't Come on here that uh, I went and had a mammogram. And, and I posted. really appreciate that.
1: I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you had posted about giving yourself a self exam. And I was like, yep, just did this last night or whatever, because it was you talking yeah. at Kim's event, Cotton and Grain. Um, and I think just talking about it as if it's like as normal as it's raining outside is the way to go. Yeah. It's not, sick. it doesn't have to be. <laughs> It doesn't have to be just in October that you're checking your boobs. Yeah, you know no, what it I
3: mean? Should be every month. And that's where I think my favorite compliments from when I speak come or where they come from, but it's just, "Hey, I booked that appointment." Or, "Hey, I had a conversation with my family about our family history." Or sometimes after I speak, I'll have people come up to me and they privately want to tell me a little bit about their family history and I've had people confide in me, hey, I know that I'm at risk, but I'm scared. Yeah. Yep. And I'm like, that is, you're given power right now to be proactive. Right. And I just try to give, you know, encourage them to to face that fear and survive, go forward. Because so many people don't have that. They don't have the knowledge of their family history or they're blindsided. And you can take ownership of your health. But I have one viral video on TikTok. (laughs) I'm the worst TikToker. I don't even have TikTok. It is a self exam, and Mm -hmm. I could not be more proud that that is my viral video. Yeah. Yeah. And especially because TikTok is with a younger audience, you know. And Mm -hmm. I've had so many comments like, "Who else is scared to do this?" or "Who else is feeling this?" And I've had the chance to say, "Well, young breasts are tend tend to be more dense." Talk to your doctor if this doesn't feel right. So many people said, you know, we ended it with people find lumps in their armpit. My aunt, my mother, someone found a lump in their armpit that was cancer. This needs to be talked about. Yeah. And I agree. It's just we need to talk about these things all the time. Like, I feel like if we, even in health class, this is just like basic women knowledge. I never even thought of that. That is not something that is
1: ever talked about, even for like, I'm very open with my children when they have questions about things, they hear something at school. My kids are almost too open, but neither here nor there. (laughs) That will probably be my child. Fair warning. (laughs) But even that, like just bringing up to our daughters who are developing, this is something that goes along with having boobs, Mm -hmm. right? As these boobs are growing, here's how you give a breast exam. You know, not to other people, but to yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that this is just part of being a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was just a huge light bulb moment for me. Like, no, I have a daughter mm-hmm. that will have boobs. And this is something she needs to know. Because yeah. I didn't know this yeah.
2: ever. This is never talked about. Not till your first gynecology appointment. Yeah.
3: Right. And then they're like, Don't worry, breast cancer is like after 40. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that was, um, so I'm like, 40. No. That was my first mammogram.
3: Yeah, which is common. Right. But at least if they're doing the self-exam, and even now with my implants, I'm like, please, please check, like in case I miss something, you know. Yeah, right. it's a, a whole morph- different experience mm-hmm. with implants. And
2: mm-hmm. they don't, you can't do a mammogram, like, when you're pregnant, clearly. But also, um, you're not supposed to do it for a certain length of time after you breastfeed. So people that are having kids back-to-back in their 30s. <laughs> like who? Like, <laughs> you, you don't get one of those done. So yeah, that's yeah. where the self-exam is very important.
3: Mm-hmm. So. And I've met so many young women. So we're not as likely to get breast cancer as young women, but the outcomes are tend to be worse. And why is that? It's because we don't think that we're getting breast cancer, right? right? Like our young moms that are having kids. Unfortunately, I am friends with young moms who have gotten it. And I have I'm, I've been friends with young moms that are no longer here. Mm. And I think that is the hard truth that breast cancer can happen with these young women. And as much as we don't want to think it's common, it can happen. And so many women have found their lump in this community that I've met because they were breastfeeding and Mm. they were like, oh, it's just a clogged duct. I'm not going to worry. And then they wait. And then one lump turns into two lumps. So that's why it's just always be your own advocate, be aware of your body and know if something doesn't feel right for you, then speak up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And not, I think so many people don't go to the doctor for whatever reason, because they figure it's just like, oh, it's just this thing. It'll go away. Right. We dismiss ourselves Mm -hmm. almost because we don't want to be dismissed by somebody else. You know? So, yeah. And I don't know if it, we were talking about this, but um, we would never do that for our kids. I would never stop and say, like, this persistent thing that keeps happening to my son or daughter. I wouldn't be like, oh, well, we're not going to the doctor. Or, I'm not going to ask more questions. I'd be like, oh, no, we need to see the doctor now, and I need answers. So if we need to do an MRI, when can we get that scheduled? Right? Mm-hmm. Mama bear. But for myself, I'm like, I'll figure that out at some point. Mm-hmm. Right? Ugh.
2: Yeah. We put people in front of ourselves way too often. I know. We should stop doing that. Yeah. (laughs) It's like on the airplane. You have to put your own mask on. Right. To (laughs) save the others. others, You need to do it in your own life for all the things. Yes. So
1: So self-exams. What's the saying on the first?
3: Yeah, so we always say feel it on the first, but honestly, if you want to feel it on the 18th, if you want to feel it on the 20th,
2: just feel it. (laughs) Feel it. (laughs) um, What's your Instagram handle, website, everything so everybody can follow you?
3: Very easy, at Lorelei Colbert and website LoreleiColbert.com. And you can purchase... Hats and all things through the website. Yes. And I give a portion back. So for my hats, I give 10% back. And for cards, I give 16% in honor of the 1600 acts of chemo to kindness back to a nonprofit.
1: Awesome. Love it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, ladies. Sharing your light with
3: us. You are just so
1: um, exuberant and full of life. And I'm so glad that you came on. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Thanks.